This is Entrepreneurs Get Visible, the podcast for people who want more impact, influence, and income. I'm Anna Parker-Naples, and I'll be sharing with you proven methods from leading entrepreneurs that help you get visible as an authority in your field. Because anything's possible when you get visible. In this episode of Entrepreneurs Get Visible, we are talking all about the legal stuff that you need to have in place as you become more visible. I'm talking today with Emma Sturk, who's a lawyer, a coach, and the go-to legal expert for entrepreneurs and small business owners. And we're going to be talking through today some of the problems that I've encountered in my business before I went down the route of making sure everything was tied up in terms of my contracts, my GDPR, my cookie policy. And Emma will also be sharing other examples of when she's seen business owners run into problems and how you can make sure that you are future-proofing your business by getting everything wrapped up tightly from a legal point of view. Hey, Emma, and welcome to Entrepreneurs Get Visible. So I'm excited today to talk through exactly what people need to be considering in terms of the legal implications as they become more visible. And in this discussion today, we're going to be talking a little bit about the problems I've encountered in terms of my contracts and legalities as I've become more visible and become more well-known. So thank you so much for coming on to the show today. Thanks, Anna. It's it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you. So let's talk a little bit about what it is you do. How is it exactly that you help entrepreneurs? So basically, I've worked as a coach for the last couple of years. And in doing that and helping clients who are mainly small businesses and other coaches to either work on the mindset or helping strategize in the business. One aspect of doing that is looking at their legals because I have a background in law. I trained as a sister and worked in practice for over 10 years. And what I was seeing is that a lot of them were leaving themselves massively open to legal risks. Now, not only did I start getting phone calls (laughs) asking me for help when the proverbial had hit the fan, shall we say. Um, But I realized I could take them back and help them to put the foundations in place so that they don't need to be ringing me when, you know, the worst has happened because we're going to avoid that. So I looked in the marketplace. I looked with my own clients, with my colleagues that I was working alongside and realized there's actually a gap where businesses, you, you know, you start out with business, you get excited about your brand, you get excited about your name, your logo, all of that fun stuff. And you can often leave the legals because you think, well, I'm not a big enough business or I don't have the financials right now. And actually sometimes businesses then get going, the momentum kicks in, maybe you start scaling without realizing. And that's when something can happen because you haven't put the, the legal foundations in place. And then it's in your back of your mind. It's a little niggle, it's a little worry and you avoid it because you don't know where to start. And I thought, right, this is where I, one of my passions and, and really, I guess my mission in life is to help others. I do that through my coaching. And then I saw a way to do it through the legals really and share that experience because otherwise, what did I go through all that we were talking about this off air when often when people come into this coaching space or wanting to help people in a way that feels so imperative that you get out and help people that certainly for me I then discredited my you know decades of experience in a given field because I felt very much like I'd opened up and was ready to share what I'd learned in this kind of mindset space and one of the big realizations that I've had is that it's my unique background in audio actually brings a whole different level of learning to other entrepreneurs and other people in business and I think that's that's what we were discussing off air so Emma at the point that she came into being a coach was discounting leaving the legal side behind it but actually it's 
that wealth of knowledge that most people don't have. And I was smiling along and nodding as Emma was talking about when things hit the fan, because that's (laughs) definitely something that's actually how I've got to know Emma a little better over the last year or so since we met. Because when I started out in business, I got excited about my website. I got excited about my brand, loved my photographs. We had doctored some other contracts. We kind of fudged things together and didn't really know what we were doing. And I kind of thought, well, this is something I'm going to come back to. I can't afford to have, you know, professional templates put together for me. I'm just going to fudge it for a little while. And when I've got the money, I'll invest in that then. And actually what's happened for me is that over the last 12 months, as my company has has really grown, as my business has grown, actually more people have come to me with complaints, some perhaps reasonable, I would mostly say unreasonable. But the problem was that my contract and my terms and conditions were not watertight. And so it became, although it was unfair what was being challenged of me, it was difficult for me to state my claim. And in the end, I gave back thousands of pounds. And had I spoken to Emma or someone like Emma in the first place, there is no way that I would have had to have done that and have put myself in that position. And so over the course of this year, bit by bit, I've been making sure that everything, everything legally will not put me in that situation again. Yeah. And there's, there's a little bit of fear around it and a little bit of shame. And people don't really talk about it online because I guess there's that fear that if someone's asking for their money back, everyone's going to think I'm rubbish. Everyone's going to think that my work isn't up to scratch, that my course isn't up to scratch, that my coaching wasn't up to scratch. And it's often not, that's not the case, but nobody's talking about the difficulties behind the scenes, are they, Emma? No. I mean, one of the key things I always say, and and people hear me say it all the time, is that you've just got to manage expectations. So coming at it from a legal perspective where you, you know, put in terms and conditions in place, putting an agreement in place, that allows you the space before you get enter into the relationship to be really clear on what you're delivering, what you're offering and what your client can expect because things change. And I think if you've got the expectations set, first of all, it's going to avoid the issues arising. So it avoids having any confusion. You've got in their terms about what happens if they're unsure or, or they're unhappy with how the service is being delivered, that you get an opportunity to discuss it rather than just stopping. But equally, it shouldn't be seen as a negative if somebody decides to ask for the money back or decides it's not right for them because that just happens in normal life. Like how many times have you bought something in the shop and then got home and had a conscience, you know, guilty conscience and decided to return it or that actually you decide something's not right for you. You know, we cancel subscriptions, we you know cancel memberships because, you know, it's right for us at one point, it's not at another time. You know, how many gym subscriptions <laughs> do people go through? Probably in, you know, the lifetime they join and then rejoin. So and it shouldn't be seen as an issue. And if you've got the right terms in place, you've managed the expectations from the start as well. So there's no issue, there's no gap between what you're delivering or what you're thinking that you're delivering, what the client thinks mm-hmm. or expects they're getting. If you've managed that gap by putting the right legal protection in place, it actually shouldn't be an issue. It's either a discussion to decide how you move forward or it's a refund or a return. It's just part of your practice. It's part of your business, depending on whether it's services or products that you're offering. I think it's almost like a rite of passage. You're not serving enough people until you are getting some kickback and asking for some refunds. You're just not. And not everybody is going to be 100% happy with your service. They're not going to resonate with you in the same way. They don't get what you're delivering. Or you do get people who just want to try it on anyway. (laughs) You know, I've had 
people consume almost all of a course and then ask for their money back. And there will be niggles that they are using every trick in the book to try and get their money back. And what happened for me is that because I hadn't had a firm legal document, not that I'd had nothing because I did, but I didn't have anything that was setting firm enough boundaries about expectations and delivery that it was very hard for me to kind of come back and say, actually, it's unfair. This was part of the contract. This is the contract you had signed and all of that procedure. So one of the things that has happened for me is that obviously I've then gone out and made sure that everything is watertight and not just my contract, but also everything connected with the legalities on my website. And I know when GDPR was suddenly announced, I think it was May 2018. I might be making yeah. that up. I don't know why that sticks in my head. Probably because I was like a rabbit, you know, had my, panic. what's the phrase? Yeah, panic. That kind of put your head down a hole and hope it all goes away. At that point, again, like many entrepreneurs, I kind of panicked to get everything ready, the absolute bare minimum, but never felt like I understood the process and didn't have the finance at that particular time, or even that time to really think about it, to contact a legal professional and say, I need this, this and this. So again, although everything was there in place, I didn't necessarily feel like it was perfect and was as tight or as strong as it should be. So let's talk a little bit about what people should have as an absolute starting point for their business. So GDPR was massive. And that's one of the things that probably kicked me into opening up my services, really, because whilst I'd been helping people sort of behind the scenes, obviously, we're talking about, visit. you know, this podcast is all about visibility. I was not comfortable being visible, but GDPR, I could see the confusion and having worked for so many years with data protection, you know, around data protection and financial stuff, but also... I spent a lot of years in courtrooms, so seeing it from the other perspective that, you know, you can get everything in place and you can still end up in, in court with, <laughs> with on totally different reasons. There's always a way out. And I think I saw a lot of people getting worried and confused and overwhelmed by it when they, they didn't need to be. Yes, you need to take it seriously, but you don't have to, as I would say, get your knickers in a twist about it. Because basically GDPR... Is all about again managing expectations. It's managing where you're processing or dealing with data. So anybody's personal information, you've got to manage their expectations. So basically, make sure that you tell them what you're going to do with it before you take it or do anything with it, and then make sure that you stick with that. It's just all about being fair and being reasonable, being open, being honest, and that is the key thing that you definitely, definitely need because that's a legal requirement. So having that information before you start taking data because I would imagine I'll take a a good bet that most people in business want to be growing the database because you generally will want more clients more customers (laughs) because interestingly enough actually I've had several of my early stage clients say to me oh well when GDPR came in I closed my list and I got rid of everything and I stopped using lead magnets because I didn't want to get caught out with GDPR so you think well how are you growing your business how are you moving forward and they're still trapped in that real fear around getting it wrong and being punished for it and actually if you understand the mechanisms and you have invested in getting them right in the first place, then you're safe and you're protected to grow. Yeah, exactly. We do have, you know, we are lucky that we've got that ICO to the Information Commissioner's Office. Um, If you've got a spare few weeks (laughs) to to log on and read all of the information, it is available there. And they do try and make it simple to read so you can understand the obligations that you have when you're collecting and processing data. However, I also get that people aren't the legal geek like me that enjoys reading that sort of stuff. 
and they need assistance in putting it together. But putting that information together in what we call like a privacy notice is definitely that's your number one key document. So you must have that if you are wanting to grow your business. But equally, if you have clients or customers already, you've got their information. So you need to be upfront with them and telling them what you're doing with it. And also you need to include that within your business processes. So if you provide service to clients, what are you doing with that client information? Where do you store it? What do you do with it? I have a a handy little checklist that I suggest everybody fills in to give themselves a a little audit of the business. But it's just a way for you to think like, what information do I have already? You can can do it on a piece of paper. Think about the information that you have in your business already. Have you told the clients what you're taking from them and what you're doing with it? Because think of it from your own perspective how frustrating it is when you have to give your email address to somebody for something and then the next thing you get an advertisement or something else coming through the post or through the email that you didn't sign up to or that you didn't request and it's annoying like we get bombarded with enough stuff so if you've agreed to it that's fine if you haven't then it's frustrating so it's the same you know you're providing that same customer service to your your clients so some of that then is about you know if we visit someone's website it's about cookie acceptance as well so yeah presumably then there's the privacy policy there's also a cookie policy for your website so anyone browsing because then you're able if they've agreed to that you're able to re-advertise what's called retarget them yeah track them because analytics are super important Mm -hmm. if you want to check how your website is performing which pages people are going to which are more popular how long they're staying there etc so you want these analytics in if you're just using normal because there's different types of cookies (laughs) if you're just using essential cookies which are ones that make your website work now i am not a tech person whatsoever and i'm not a web developer so i don't know all the ins and outs of the cookies but if if the ones that make your website work properly they're essential to the website development then they're okay but if they are analytics if they're tracking if you're placing cookies on somebody else's system so that to help you and your business, then you have to tell somebody about it and they have to agree. So they've got to, it's not a a tick box that they opt out. They've got to actually, you've got to get that informed consent. Um, Which is very often that they have to agree to be in it. They have to just click the accept. They have to have read the policy or at least briefly seen it before they click accept. Yeah. And then what? let's talk a little bit about actually contracts and the legalities of, for example, if you're a coach or you're providing any form of business service, what should people have as standard? So the key, obviously, the privacy nurses we've talked about, you must have that because that's a, a legal requirement. And again, when you work with clients, you're going to be taking their information in order to contact them and provide the services. So you'll need that, but also you'll need... So that goes on your website, so you, the online privacy policy. Yeah, you can have an offline one. So if you haven't got a website, it doesn't mean that you don't need to have a privacy notice because if you're still collecting customer or client information, you still need to have it. So you just have an offline version. Mm-hmm. The easiest way to deal with privacy is to have a privacy notice on your website because then you can just link it back to whatever you do. So you have a lead magnet, you have separate lead pages. Anytime you have a pop-up, where you know you collect email addresses, you can just have the link then that links back to your website where the privacy notice is hosted. But yeah, even if you're working offline, so say you don't have a website, you still need to comply with those privacy requirements. So you would definitely need to have the privacy notice. And then when you're working with clients, you're going to need some memorandum of agreement, like what are you doing? So that's either in a contract, an agreement, or in some terms and conditions. But again, as I mentioned before, it's managing expectations. So agreeing what you're delivering and what they can expect. The more detail you can go into, 
as long as you're going to stick to it, (laughs) then the safer you're going to be. So the main things you're going to want to have in your agreement are obviously details of the service, because that's where you give yourself that real credibility and that comfort and the confidence in what you're delivering. If you've got a, a flimsy contract, you will feel that, you will feel less confident in your services. Whereas if you're able to say like, this is exactly what I'm delivering. These are the dates I'm delivering it. And this is how I'm delivering it. You will feel confident because then if the customer or the client is, you know, has a concern, you're able to refer back and say, do you remember, this is exactly what we agreed. What strikes me is that most of my clients are absolutely lovely and they certainly are lovely at the point where we decide to work together, but you never know what's around the corner for someone's life. So I've had someone whose husband, within two weeks of us starting to work together, her husband removed all financial backing from her and that began the beginning of the divorce proceedings. Now, at the time she signed up and the first two weeks of of content, she had no idea that that was going to happen. And actually he put in through his PayPal account, he put in a request for a refund. And because my terms and conditions weren't tight enough, then the PayPal honored that. And I had no way of kind of counteracting that. Mm. Other things that I've seen happen, people have been in Facebook groups where I've been hosting a workshop or a, a group program. And it's become clear that actually something's happening in their life that they've become overwhelmed. So for example, one lady suddenly had lots of deadlines from a publisher. And that meant that she didn't then feel that she could give the same attention to my program that she had intended. Now, she would be voicing that in my Facebook group, but then pretending that I'd not had any notice of that when she was emailing me and some of the emails became quite vile. And so it became, I've kind of got this other information about what's going on for her and she's pretending it's all about my service and it's not at all. There's always another story and it's not really about you either. Even when there are complaints, it's not about you. It's very often about what's going on in someone else's life and someone else's financial world. And for me, that was the final few decisions for me about circumstance with PayPal, a circumstance with someone else who had consumed most of my content for this course by this point and had got that learning, got that knowledge, but I wasn't tight enough with my contract that I thought enough, I'm never going to put myself in this situation again. And so Emma and I have worked quite closely to tailor make what I need for my business, which is kind of bringing us on to another point that we talked about as well, is that it's not acceptable to just go and copy and paste someone else's contract. There's a legal thing about that as well, isn't there? Stealing someone else's contracts. Yeah. <laughs> this is the thing, like you've just mentioned your client coming in and t- you know taking all of the content and then deciding that they're not going to pay for it. Yeah, on the bottom line, that is not fair. That's not how life works. If somebody else has put in the hard work, then they should be compensated for that, you know, reimbursed for that hard work. And that's the reason why you get the contracts in place. And you have a strict refund policy so that people don't do that. <laughs> yeah, and so when it comes to copying, obviously we have copyright and a lot of it, and, it, and it's surprising because it's such a, when you go through law school and you, you learn about copyright, it becomes such a basic, like it's a right that rises automatically. Like the minute you create something that is unique, that you've created from your own thought process, not copied from somebody else. You have copyright in it, which is an intellectual property right. So you have a right to do whatever you want with that piece of content that you've created. But people don't realize that. And it's so obvious to me, but obviously because of of my training, but yeah, people don't realize that. So they see something, especially with their online world now, they will see something and think because it's out there, because it's in the public domain, (laughs) which is not the definition of public domain, that they can just 
use it. And that's wrong because whoever created it, they own that copyright. So for example, the contracts that I create, it's taken me 20 years of legal training, plus the hours it takes of me sitting at my laptop, working away all the hours to create that document. So when I license it to somebody else to use, that's fine because they're paying me for some of that time, but it doesn't allow them to then sell it on or to pass it on or to do it. It's my document so I can do with it as I wish. And I think people don't realize it. It's like taking other examples, such like a drawing, for example. If I ask somebody to create an image, like a drawing, I had what somebody actually create a doodle, a, a picture of our family. Now, I had to, to say like that is just for like our family. That is for me to, to use personally to display in our home. It doesn't mean that I can use that image to create t-shirts and coasters and to use that to advertise my business or whatever. That, that image might have been created for me. It is my family, but it's not mine to use. Unless obviously I agree with designer that I buy all the rights to it. Mm. They will retain it. I just have a right to use it to stay in my home. And I think that's there is some confusion around that. When it comes to contracts, obviously you need to ensure if you are thinking about copying and pasting that not only will you be breaching somebody's copyright so ensure that you've got the consent of whoever drafted it it's like using it but also does it actually fit your business you know I've seen my own contracts floating around that I drafted years ago and since then things have changed obviously we've mentioned BBR that came in last year so contracts have to be updated I'm you know constantly updating mine because of real life situations that happen because even you know sitting here you know I could draft the contract now without any thought of some crazy situation could arise which I would never anticipate in a million years but things happen and then you think oh my god (laughs) I never thought that would happen but now it has I'm going to make sure that I'm protecting my contract. We try and plan for all eventualities, but sometimes, you know, stuff happens. That you... And that's it, isn't it? A, a contract has to protect you as the business owner yeah, and to a certain extent protect the client as well. Yeah. Yeah. Should the worst happen? Yeah. And we always think the worst is never going to happen, that everyone's going to play fairly and everybody's going to play nicely. But guys, this is business. Yeah. And that isn't the way the world works, unfortunately. And like you, you've rightly said, sometimes life does happen. And, you know, I do it when I, especially when I speak to people that are starting out perhaps in business together or in partnerships you know I really do impress upon them get something in writing because it's great when you're all excited at the start of a business to oh we're going to do this and we're going to do that and you know we've you know we're really tight and we trust each other we're best friends I've had so many instances of people going into business together and the relationship breaks down because you can't anticipate what is going to go on in somebody's life and it might not be anything that they can anticipate something happens with family they get ill a family member gets ill they have an epiphany and change completely change direction life happens and if you can put the stuff in stuff in place at the beginning get those sort of legal foundations and agreements in place if and when things happen it makes it easier to unpick it and you do it when you're friends it's so much harder when the cracks have started to show and then you start to try and unpick the relationship that's between business partners or or clients. It is. It's about future-proofing behaviours, isn't it? And understanding outcomes and expectations. And yeah, you do have to kind of put yourself in that. If this worst case scenario that we hope never happens, happens, (laughs) what is the best way to deal with this and what is going to be the procedure for dealing with it? One of the things that I see time and again with my own clients is they're saying, well, you know, I've had someone now who has rescheduled three or four times, but I really need the money. I don't want to tell her. I don't want her to cancel 
cancel the rest of the contract or cancel the rest of the program or the package because I need that money? How do I go back to her and say she's messing me around? Well, actually, if you had a contract that stated what your terms and conditions were around how much flexibility you give, whether it's 48 hours or or no notice, or if anyone misses a session, then if, if you all knew that and it had been signed, then all you would have to do is go back and say, actually, this is the terms and conditions. This was the date you signed it. That's the agreement. And very often, particularly solo entrepreneurs, we're really passionate about what we do and genuinely want to help people. So it can feel quite an emotional battle, particularly if you've got to know somebody really well in a coaching capacity, for example. It feels as though it's a personal slight in some way. And actually for me, what the contract process has meant for me is that actually, no, it's giving me that gravitas, that grounding, that confidence in myself and what I deliver that when those situations arise, because they do, I am much more prepared to deal with it from a a strong standpoint as opposed to an emotional response. Yeah. And you put in those boundaries in place, but also think about it. You can remove yourself because as your business grows, you're probably going to start to build a team, maybe have an assistant working from for you or something like that. What I will say is if things start to get trippy, then you can bring that third party in to just give you both a bit of space. So you're not messing with that relationship that you've grown with your client and let your assistant be able to say, listen, we're rescheduling these, you know, remember these are the terms on which you're entitled to reschedule before you lose the right to that session. Or, you know, these are the payment terms, you know, if you don't pay within the next seven days, then you'll incur an admin fee or some interest. And that takes you out of the equation and you're able to instruct somebody else to act on your behalf because you've got that clear agreement in place. So again, you've not only put boundaries in place for yourself, but you've also given yourself that confidence to have somebody else work for you because you're able to tell them what terms they can work it's already been agreed. That's really great advice. So as we're coming to the end of this then, Emma, what really are your three top tips? Or maybe there's more, maybe there's less (laughs) that you would advise someone, anyone in business, whether they're starting out or know that they've had that alarm bell ringing in terms of their legals, what should they make sure they do? I guess the first step is to just give yourself a little business audit, I suppose. So look at all, maybe start with your data, first of all, because that's a legal requirement. So, you know, you can grab a blank piece of paper and look at what information you collect or information you process and ask yourself whether you are upfront with your clients about what you're doing with it and whether you're protecting it properly. Mm-hmm. So check the data. The second one is probably to look at how you're managing client expectations. So have you got an agreement in place and are you confident with it? So are you confident about the terms of what you're delivering and when, how you're getting paid and when, and what happens when things go wrong? They're sort of the key things to maybe review. And then what else would be the third one? It's just to have an overall audit of what you're doing within your business. So what are your risks? So if you can, you know, take a step back and say, what is the worst thing that can happen in my business? Is it that I don't get clients? Is it that I lose, you know, my database? Is it that I somebody asks for a refund? You might be it might be something else. If you're a, a designer, is it that like your website goes down or you know, because then you need to check that you've got supplier agreements with somebody else? So what is the worst thing that can happen in your business and what do you have in place to protect it and work yeah. back from that? Great advice. And I know you mentioned that you have a checklist for people to begin to do that business audit. 
So we'll make sure that that is in the show notes as well, accompanying this episode. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us today, Emma. I think it's been really important that we discuss this because it's not all just about getting out there. It's making sure that you're doing it professionally and legally and making sure, first of all, that you are giving a great service and that you're protecting both yourself and your client by making sure you have all of the legal stuff in place. That's it for today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Entrepreneurs Get Visible. To get your free checklist on how to raise your profile and to find out about our community, go to annaparkernaples.co.uk forward slash get visible.